Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? Higher Learning is on. It's Ivan Lathan Jr. And it's me, Rachel Lynn Lindsay. Rachel, you got yourself a, a Diet Coke there. Coke Zero. Coke Zero. Mm-hmm. I just need a little energy. I don't know. I'm like a little... I didn't sleep well. I think my eyes are a little swollen underneath. I don't know. What's what's You didn't sleep well? Why not? What's going I don't on? know. What's happening? Nothing. I just was like tossing and turning. I think I went to bed a little too early. If I go to bed before midnight, mm-hmm. it does something to me. But also, I've been working out a lot, like more in the last three days. Georgia 27, 24. Sorry. I'm looking. I'm actually doing a good thing. Because I'm, I'm doing this a, is so dis. We just gonna a, be disrespectful. I'm doing a good thing, podcast. but I'm doing it. But see, he I'm don't not really even, care how my sleep but was. Look, I'm doing a good thing. <laughs> I'm trying to send something to the people that I know over at the network to to try to, you know, I'm doing it, I'm doing a great thing right now. So oh, okay, well, do you want me to pat you on the back for that? No, but I just knew that it would be I would be looked down upon because I asked you how you were doing, and then it popped up while you were saying your thing. It didn't so look So what right. was I saying? You were saying that you've been working out a lot more. Okay. Wow. Oh, hold, hold on for a second. Whoa. Hold on for a second. Someone has mastered I can, this. I can, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, good. <laughs> I'm good at this. This thing where I can, like, I'm good at this. I also I actually have, like, a three-word strategy that I can do. I don't I can, know if you should teach this to other men. I can check back in every fourth word and still stay on. Don't teach people that. <laughs> I, I can do that. I can check back in every fourth word. Boom, boom, boom. Because, you know, sometimes the stories will go on. Oh, go to all. Anyways, um, I've been working out and my body is incredibly sore. I've been going to Barry's, um, doing a little Pilates. I'm trying to have this like health kick mission with the start of December. So I think that's why I didn't sleep well because I'm just like, my body I've hurts seen a that. lot. I've, I've been noticing this. Why have you been doing it so much? Like what's been going um, on? I went to the doctor and I weighed the most that I've weighed ever. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, all right. Couple bills? Kick. Two bills? Two bills? No. You get up to two. If you're not up know. to two bills, there's nothing to be concerned well, five, about. Five, four. So what? Think about it. It'll be no, it's like, I don't need to get up to two bills to be, you know, overweight. But weren't you on here one day bragging about how thick you were? I didn't say I wanted to not be thick. I said, I need, like, I need to tone up. Mm. That's so like, I just, it'd be different if I weighed the amount and I had muscle, but I don't have any muscle because I've been working out. So I'm like, all right, you just got to tighten it up a bit, Rachel. I want to get you the two bills. Okay. Do you know how hard that would be for me to get? Donnie. Because I I weigh this and I I eat a lot of wing stuff, you know. I'm and I'm a cookie monster. Mm-hmm. Those are like my weaknesses. Cookie well, monster. and the pork. Pork, yeah. Big, I, I have a pork. I have a pork update, by the way. You too. You've come to the good side. I, I, there's something that happened. I have to. I have to. I have to keep it real about what happened. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have to. Keep, I have to keep it real about what happened. Okay, fine. And it's it's true. Well, it would be a lot for me to gain two hundred. To get to two hundred. To, to get two hundred. I'm not going to lie. I think two bills is the new five. It depends how tall you are. No, I think to me. At any at any height? To me, this is what I'm saying. To me, you know, embrace your body all sizes and stuff. But Absolutely. If you're under 140, it's just hard to be fine. You know, 140, 150, that's the, you know, I'm from the South. But when you start creeping up to the two bill era, yeah, it works. It's next level. That's next level. <laughs> when you get, when we, we talking 170 and up. My God. You know what I mean? 
stuff. Well, maybe with some muscle, when I, I add in some muscle, you know, I did double floor yesterday. Double floor? No cardio, just double floor. I feel like, though, it would be bad for you to get to two bills because if you got to two bills, then you would start to dominate Brian even more. Because <laughs> Brian's not two bills? I don't think Brian's two no, bills. No, no, he's not. What is Brian? I don't know, like around... 180, 175? Not once. I think it is... Most, he's in the 190s, 190s. Like 190s. I could just see you just stiff-arming the shit out of him. <laughs> Give me the remote! <laughs> you know what I mean? Because that's, that's our relationship. Let's push, <laughs> push it up down. Brian's come. You, you, you're on your way out. You're going, to, uh, <laughs> you're going to the Laker game with Christian Cavalieri or something like that. And Brian is like, he's tagging behind because he wants to come to the Laker game too. And you're like, Get out of here! <laughs> 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 um, what'd you do this weekend? Um, not much. What did I do this weekend? I, gosh, I can never remember my weekends. I really just worked out, hung out with um, friends, like did a lunch and um, watched football. Mm-hmm. I watched a great games on Saturday. A lot of, ch- I was in sports. Heaven. I was too. I, I really... I haven't really sat. I usually watch w- at least one game, but I was just glued to the TV, just watching every game that was on. It was so good. And I think I was just hoping. It was like, okay, once Texas played, my games were Texas, mm-hmm. and I was kicking myself for not going. I think, I'm, go I think I'm traumatized because the last time we went to the Big 12 championship, I was T-boned in the parking lot. Whoa. I know. it. Why this man? I mean, like, going at least 40 miles per hour. We left early because I was trying to go to my girlfriend's wedding. Never mm-hmm. made it. Thank God, because nobody else was in the parking lot. Otherwise, we would have hit someone. Hit me on the driver's side. Airbags came out. It's a Volvo, so you know it can take take a lot. It goes spinning in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then tried to blame it on me. So I think I'm a little like, AT&T Stadium last Tell time. Tell you something. That, you'd be much more protected from that if you had the two bills. Okay. So, anyways, I was sitting at home, kicking myself. I saw all my alum friends, a lot of my alum friends were there and I'm like, man, I should have gone to the game. You don't really fuck with them like that. Let's be honest. Like you, is, how many Texas games did you go to this year? I didn't go to any. Right. How many did you go to last year? None. Okay. See what I'm saying? But that doesn't mean that I don't mess with Texas. It just means my schedule is so busy, especially when I was working for Extra. This would have been the year. Okay. Your schedule is busy. You couldn't make it to Texas. Yeah. How many LSU games did you make to this year? Oh, come on. I'm just asking. I went to one. I've been to two LSU games with you. (laughs) I've been to... (laughs) One was not in Baton Rouge. I've been to two LSU games with you. You've been to one. No. I've been to... No. Excuse me. I've been to one LSU game with you. And and that was in LA. And you went to another one. So you've supported us twice. (laughs) With the chicken niggas, the- and then you, then you, you haven't you 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 went to the, you went to with the chicken niggas to, to the LSU game, and then you but you haven't gone to see Texas. I tried to go to Texas, but I asked for for tickets at the last minute for right. Texas OU. Right. So because I I wanted field access. Yeah, see. And they were gone. See. But when I went, but this I should have gone to the Big Twelve Championship. I am now, upset. I've gone to one LSU game at least every single season. Well, I mean. The Ringer sent you to one, so... No, they didn't. What are you talking didn't about? Didn't you do, like, a pre-show with Ryan Russillo? Didn't go to the game, though. Oh. Okay? I went, I had to come Oops. back. as was LSU Ole Miss. So, technically, that's actually two games that I was around for, but I had to come back. All right? And then I went home, LSU, Texas A&M. I might even go to the bowl game. The Quest Bowl. 
LSU oh, versus LSU. Wisconsin. Where is it? I have no clue. Oh, Tampa. It's in Tampa. Oh. I'm debating if I should go to the Sugar Bowl. I don't know. See what I'm saying? Your team is in a playoff. I'm definitely going to the national championship. I've already bought well, an you're outfit. Not, you're not going to go to the national championship, but. Well, I'm going regardless, but I bought a burnt orange outfit. I go every year, but burnt, I bought a burnt, burnt orange outfit. Burnt orange. Like, I'm manifesting that we're going to be there. Yes, last time we played Washington in the Alamo Bowl, we lost. But let's do if this. Texas looks like it did on Saturday. Against Oklahoma State. Doesn't matter. So, Oklahoma so, State beat OU. We lost to OU. So let's do this. Let's get right into it then. Fuck pleasantries. What did I do this weekend? Those were the I stood, I stayed at home trying not to get sick. Kalik was under the weather. And that's what I did. I watched a lot. Bozeman, before we get into FSU, I want to say something. I just have to say this. I'm in love with the dog. I get it. It. I get it. All of you have amazing dogs. The dogs are great. There's no such thing as a bad dog. But I just want to take the time out right now to say that Bozeman is special, man. Bozeman loves his dad so much. Bozeman comes over. I come home. I've been gone for a little while. He's beside himself. He comes out of the room in the morning. He runs towards me. He jumps on me. He comes and he puts the toy on me. Come on, dad, let's play. Like Bozeman my relationship with Bozeman is almost unlike anything I've ever experienced before. Mm-hmm. I am bl- in bliss when I'm around my dog. I get it. When I'm around my dog, I am ridiculously happy. I watched this video. I love this for you. I know you've been posting a lot of dog. You post sad dog videos. Stop doing that. No, nah, I have no sad dog videos. It's all about dogs who've overcome. <laughs> I know, but it just makes me sad. Like I don't, I don't like, I always pass through them. Hold on, I want to I play this video from this guy. Because I found the number one dog hater. <laughs> I have to play this. So the name of this, the name of this. How'd you find this? The name of this, uh, because I'll tell you how I found it. Because I went on YouTube and I was like, because I was like, you know, is this dog obsession of mine healthy? I was Because I'm starting to think, you know, am I becoming like an older, lonely guy? And no. do, is, is the thing between me and Bozeman, the fact that me and Bozeman just hang out we watch TV together. Bozeman will watch me play Spider-Man in video game. Bozeman seems to know when I'm feeling particularly lonely. He'll jump on they me do. and do the whole thing. I'm like, is this, is the the connection that being, am I going crazy with the with how I feel about the dog? And so I, I, I put in dog obsession <laughs> into, <laughs> into YouTube and this, pot, and this guy popped up. The name of that account is I Hate Dogs. <laughs> He's got 11,000 subscribers. <laughs> and every single video it's an anti-dog video. And he questions our mental health. It's so funny. It's so funny. Um, you know, you're not... I, I am very obsessed with Copper to the point where I have looked into cloning. That's the thing. The thing is... And I'm dead serious. The thing is, I, I talked about this in therapy. The thing <laughs> is, like, I, I was like... I, I really, I talked about it in therapy. I was like, like, I... I the cloning is $100,000. Um, Actually, I've seen cheaper, but... Oh, okay. And I looked at it and I'm like, because Barbara Streisand. Yeah, no, I know, I know. We've done the same right. research. See, hold on. See, I can't. All right, we got to move, move on. She said it three times. She said, yeah. <laughs> so I looked into the whole thing and did the whole nine. Wait, went down the, what did he say? What did who say? Your therapist. Uh, he said that he hasn't, he's had, he's had some dogs. He says just in case he has hair and stuff from his dogs to where he might want to do it. 
everybody out there, <laughs> they're, they're going to be so fucking shocked and upset about the way we're talking about this. Like, it's a crime against nature and all of that stuff. Sometimes I'm hanging out with the dog and I'm going, I, I don't know, man. I don't know if I can not I know. do it. You know, it's it's tough. At least Bozeman's young. Is Copper's young? nine. I don't want to talk about this. And that's a guess. Yeah. All right, look. We're going to start this with fucking football. All right. We have to give congratulations to the Texas Longhorns. There's no controversy there. No controversy. No controversy. I actually was going to, you You didn't even see it. I was going to bat for Texas all weekend. I mean, yes. they. I knew they would beat Oklahoma State. I know they crushed them. But I was going for Alabama, which was the next game. And then I you, continued. Yeah. I was rooting for Louisville. Right. And then Iowa. Iowa. Okay. Um, before we get into the travesty that occurred, hmm. the travesty that occurred, let's pay some bills. College football mayhem on the other side of this break. Listen, guys, you're not into fucking football? Fine. Some of you are not into it. We're going to break this down so that anybody who cares about injustice... No. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know if I think that. Let's fucking get into it. Let's go. We'll care about this on the other side of this break. Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by Shea Moisture. We finally got some deodorants designed specifically for people with rich melanin skin from Shea Moisture. And they're amazing. Made with Shea butter and black dermatologist approved these deodorants give you and your skin the care that it needs. Now, here's the thing, Rachel. Okay. The deodorants came to the house. Yes, me too. You got yours. I got them. Kalika picked one up mm-hmm. specifically. And I was like, oh, why are you picking that one up? And she said, because it says it's even underarm tone. Mm-hmm. And she goes like, sometimes when you use the other deodorants, they leave like your underarms untoned or something like that. And she was so excited to have it. She went back and she started using it right there, which made me wonder if she had put deodorant on for the day. <laughs> Maybe she just reapplied. Maybe she, but but like, so that's a, it's a huge deal. And I've been using it too. It's very great. It's good. It smell good. Oh, yeah. Thing. No, no, no. It is good. And it's last long. Like mm. I'm a sweater. Mm-hmm. So I need something strong. Mm. And I need, in addition to, I like that it evens out the underarm. I like the moisture and all of that, but it's the, I need it to last long. And this lasts for, it's a 48 hour sweat and odor protection, which is key. Wow. Uh, get the protection your skin deserves. Tap the banner to learn more or visit SheaMoisture.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Look at you. You're smart. You're stylish. You've just got it going on. And your ride should be no different. The new 2024 Hyundai Sonata Hybrid is the sedan that meets all your needs. With head-turning details like a sleek front end plus stylish interior and an available 12.3-inch digital instrument cluster and seamless tech integration. Okay, Hyundai. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the 2024 Hyundai Sonata Hybrid. Okay, the college football playoff is set. Here are the four teams. Oh, Michigan... Washington, Texas, congratulations, Rachel, and then Alabama. Mm-hmm. Well, why don't I get a congrats? Oh, well, yeah. You know, Donnie, I'm Donnie, sorry. You're right. No, he's right. He's you know, right. Congratulations to Michigan as well, Donnie. I will say all right, this. That's all I wanted. I will say this. Michigan is pussy. What? Why? Y'all are. Michigan is pussy. I, I would love for it to be Michigan and Texas. Did you see 
the reaction oh, no. to Michigan. We beat y'all last time. Learning that See, they no. have to play Alabama. That yeah, the Michigan yeah. is fucking scared. Yeah, they, no, Michigan, not, Michigan looks so the same re- pussy. Hold on, they had the same reaction to most people who found out that FSU was not going to be in the playoffs. I don't think that no, was. As you said, an injustice interest in who play who they're playing. Everybody nah, else, it was, no. It was all about justice. But let, let, let's continue <laughs> with the story. Michigan, Texas would be amazing. Would be amazing. Um. So. A quick primer for people who might not know. Okay. There are five power conferences in college football as it stands now. There's been some realignment. Next year, things will be different. But there are five power conferences. Those conferences are the SEC, the Big 12, the Big 10, the Pac-12, and the ACC. Those are the five power conferences. They used to be aligned by geography. Mm-hmm. Pac-12 was West Coast. Sure. SEC, Southeast. ACC, Atlantic Coast. Big 10 was your Midwest Conference. Uh, and the Big 12 was like the Mid-South. South, so like a little bit of Midwest. Like, the like mid- Nebraska, yeah, the Oklahoma. Mid-South. Yeah. Big, the Big 12 was Missouri. all up in the middle there. You know, kind of whatever. Um, now, there's been a realignment. Things are different. Power 5 football is different than mid-level football. There are other conferences out there the MAC, the Mountain West. A lot of conferences, a lot of teams in those conferences, Conference USA, have good programs, but a Power 5 program has a specific designation. The stadium sizes are different. The budgets for the schools are Mm -hmm. different. The resources for those schools are different. That's big boy college football. If you win one of those conferences, you're in the conversation as being one of the better teams in America normally. Okay, so there's a college football playoff selection committee. At the end of the year, they sit down and with a lot of different determined, a lot of different factors, should I say, determine who goes to a four-team playoff. Right, and this started in 2014 because people were complaining about the BCS, the Bowl Championship Series, which they felt had unfair outcomes, I think, after like 03, 04, like those were controversial years after those championships. So they said, we're going to create a new system. So this system was supposed to be better than the last and fair. Right. College football continues to evolve the system. Mm -hmm. When I was growing up, they would simply vote on who the national champion was. Mm -hmm. That led to split championships. That led to undefeated teams not getting a chance to play each other. It led to all different types of stuff. Then they go to the BCS, which was based on a computer ranking that factored in strength of schedule, conference power, all of that stuff to say these two teams have the highest computer rankings. They will play each other for the national championship. That ended up not being good enough because there were conference biases in there. Sometimes you'd have an undefeated team that would be left out, all of that stuff. They'll say, okay, we're going to take the four best teams. Mm -hmm and let them settle it on the field. College mm-hmm. football is always such a weird thing, like any other sport, trying to figure out how we settle this stuff with competition. Yeah. All right. 14 playoff. This year, it was an interesting situation with the 14 playoff. Going into the weekend, Washington was undefeated. Mm-hmm. Michigan was undefeated. Mm-hmm. Georgia was undefeated. Mm-hmm. And Florida State was undefeated. Okay. So you had a solid top four. Got a solid top four. This is what happened. Georgia lost 
Georgia lost. And I want to say something to the Georgia fans here real quick. So we're going to break this down beat by beat. I want to say something to the Georgia fans. I feel like it's fair that Georgia's loss eliminated them. Of course. Georgia played one team that gave them a staunch test the entire year, and that was Alabama. Georgia's a fantastic program. They, 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 had, they had an up year. You know how you know that Georgia is the number one program in the country right now? Because they had an up year on a down year. This is the worst Georgia team of the last three, mm-hmm. and they were still right yeah. there and have a legitimate argument that they were one of the best teams in the country. So they mm-hmm. had an up year and a down year. However, Georgia didn't really have a great win this year. They beat Missouri. You know, the, the, the SEC East was down. So Georgia didn't have a great win. Georgia's best win of the year would have been beating Alabama, and they lost the game. Mm-hmm. So I don't see how you can make much of an argument that Georgia deserves to be in this game if we're talking about who beat who and who did. They won right. every game they played, but when they got to a, point, a team that was could match them, they ended up losing. Right. Okay. Um, Texas won. Alabama won. Alabama beat Georgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Florida State won. Mm-hmm. Florida State is undefeated. Yes. As we sit now, nobody has beaten Florida State. And they won against a ranked team. They run they won against a ranked team. They run they won against a 10-win ranked team that had some pretty quality wins of its own mm-hmm. inside of its conference. Mm-hmm. Right. The playoff board got together, college football selection committee, and they decided that because Florida State was without its quarterback. Jordan Travis, a Heisman Trophy candidate that got injured by a hip drop tackle a couple of weeks ago, that they weren't one of the four best teams anymore. That even though they won every Saturday, that they are not one of the best teams in college football as presently constituted. Even after Jordan Travis went out, they still won. With a third string. He's third. With a second and a third string. Mm-hmm. With Rodemaker first. Secondarily, they put in a true freshman that had never played anything, only passed 50, 50 yards. They won. They have a great defense. They have first-rounders, guys like Jared Verse on the defense, all kinds of different stuff. They have a solid running game. They have really great skill position players. Of course, that's not going to matter if you don't have a quarterback that can give them the ball. But Florida State, undefeated, left out of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest sports tragedies I've ever seen before. Hmm. It's completely antithetical to what sports mean, to the purpose of playing sports, and what it means to reward a team or to consider the adversity of a college football season. I am aghast. (laughs) I am flabbergasted. I am upset at the tragedy that was done to Florida State. Um, The last part, about what you said, I think is like the, is the strongest argument. Despite losing their starting quarterback, who um, is so good, Jordan Travis, they were still able able to overcome. Right. And it's not like they played some boo boo team in the ACC championship. They played a ranked Louisville team. Louisville. That to me is the strongest argument. I have no dog in the fight because Texas is going to get in regardless with the Alabama win. The question is whether, because I just want to be clear, I just want to be clear for, no, like people who aren't like, you know, maybe didn't watch or pay attention. This isn't me being biased. Texas was in. It's a matter of Alabama versus Florida State on who got that last spot. Right. So I don't really care. But I was was listening to something Paul Feinbaum said. 
he said that this is the ACC's fault. Oh, who gives a shit? Paul's talking out of his ass. But let me tell you what he said. I just thought this was interesting because I didn't know this. The ACC, this, this 12, so also, guys, the system is changing next year. They are adding scoring. They're going to expand it to 12 teams and have a totally different system of how they'll do the playoffs. Right. 12-team playoffs. So 12-team playoff, which is way better for a number of reasons. It would have avoided a situation like this. And Paul Feinbaum said that it's the ACC's fault because this 12-team expansion was supposed to start now. Like, it would have been for this season. And ACC, the ACC, voted against it along with the Pac-12 and the Big Ten because they were upset about OU and Texas's decision to join the SEC. So they prolonged it. So he was like, well, if the ACC had voted in a different way, Florida State would have been in this uh, playoff and it wouldn't have, none of this would be a conversation. Just thought I would add that. I thought that was very interesting. I don't think it's interesting at all. I thought that was interesting. It has nothing to do with what we're talking about. It does have to do with what we're talking about. It doesn't go towards the argument, but I just thought that was an interesting tidbit. I just want to put that out there for all those people Florida State. Maybe your anger should be directed at um, the commissioner of the that, ACC. That has nothing to do I'm with... I'm just saying, well, that has this nothing all could have been avoided. It, nothing it is. to it do does. with... Okay. It does. It does. Rather than having your Florida legislature say that they're possibly taking legal action. I would sue. I, I'm being like, for real. But, maybe you should sue your commissioner. Okay. But, okay. I think this boils down to, and this is the argument, is it about following the rules? Because the rules are... We've never seen this happen before, right? So that's another reason people are so upset. It's a Power 5 team and they're undefeated. That has never happened before in this new system. Where somebody has been left out. There's Somebody has been left yeah. out. All right. So the question came down to, is it, do you follow the rules or do you follow the four best teams? Or is the four best, are, or are the four best teams, is that the rule? And if you ask people who are the four best teams, a lot of people say, as it stands, on December 3rd, when the selection committee made their announcement, the four best teams are Michigan, Washington, Texas, and Alabama. Taking, a, I think the, what your argument about them overcoming is the best argument, but as it stands, is Florida State the fourth best team? Yes. I'm going to say no. Yes, they are. Alabama's only improved since that loss, since that loss against Texas. Wrong. No. That is not true. Alabama has improved in that loss against Texas. They have gotten a lot better. Jalen Milrow has found it. But Alabama just laid an egg week before last at Auburn where they needed a Hail Mary to beat a team that lost to New Mexico State. It's a rivalry. So so it doesn't matter. People come in. Yo, please. We lost. People come in totally different in rivalry games. We lost to OU because OU is as good as Texas. Texas hasn't been a dominant team the entire year. Texas has been a a consistent team. Texas is much better than OU. OU lost to Oklahoma State. We blew them out. Texas has been a consistent team. Look, I'm telling you, the rivalry thing only matters insofar as it makes the other team give you uh, their best shot. Yes. But I'll say this, though. When you're looking at a team that is as down as Auburn is, it shows you that it still has to happen on the field. You have to play the games. Let me tell you why Florida State's one of the four best teams. Because they won every Saturday. They won every Saturday. They didn't have an off game where they lost to an Oklahoma. They didn't have an off game where they where they needed a Hail Mary against Auburn or then lost to a Texas. They didn't have an off game where they lost to an Alabama. They, they had no close games? They, they, they had close games. They lined it up on the field. And every single Saturday, they won. 
they won. And they had to find different ways to win after they lost their quarterback. So when somebody starts talking about the strength of schedule, mm-hmm. it, it is obvious that Alabama had a tougher schedule than Florida State this okay. year. So when you're talking about showing up every Saturday and they're winning, when it comes to competition, the competition was harder for Alabama than it was for Florida State. Right. Okay. So, so th- this is I'm just boiling it down to Alabama versus Florida State. When okay. It, so if that's the case, then that goes into the, the column of Alabama should be there. No, because the, the reason why I don't look at it that way is because, to me, you still have to clean the plate that's in front of you. Like, it, it, Alabama had a tougher road, no doubt. But Alabama didn't lose inside of the SEC. Alabama lost to Texas, right? Very good team, another playoff team. That matters, okay? But I would, what I would say to that is that if you look at the entire season, the whole season, Florida State was consistently a more excellent team than Alabama was. They were consistently played at a higher level. Alabama, if you take the season from a snapshot of where we are right now, you could say Alabama is in a better position to be successful in the playoff than Florida State, but it shouldn't be a snapshot of where we are now. It should be, there are other teams out there that might be streaking and might be playing really well that might have two or three losses that you could argue at the end of a season are playing as well as anybody else, right? You could argue that a Missouri is playing as well as anybody else. I don't think anybody would make that argument. But what I'm saying is, when we're talking about an entire season, what you have to overcome, what it is that you have to do, what it means to be an excellent team, you have to prove that week in and week out. And Florida State did that. And, and they'll the, be going to a great bowl. They'll be going against Georgia. <laughs> they're going to a great bowl, but they're not. I, I, I understand. I'm, I'm just doing this for argument's sake. I think it's unfair, but then I'm like, is sports fair? You know, I, I, like, is sports fair at the end of the day? What do you mean? That's what it can. Sports is not always fair. Sports like, is not. Sports is. Especially when it comes to selection of, of who gets okay. to go into the playoffs. So this is what I'm saying. Sports doesn't have to be fair. Okay. It doesn't have to be fair. That's really what it comes down to for Florida State. But. It has to be competitively as pure as possible. Okay. And then I think that's when I think that both arguments can be made. If Jordan Travis was not injured, which it's terrible that that's, that's, that was a, f- a factor. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just going to say that before I say what I'm going to say. I think it's terrible the fact that this young man is injured, cannot play, and they're using that to determine, um, as a determination to keep Florida State out. I actually think that's awful. But in saying that, if Jordan Travis was not injured, do you think Florida State would have been? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So they're basically saying that they're not the same, they're not as good as a team. But Texas isn't the same team. Because we lost our running back? And you don't have Xavier Worthy. We lost our running back. When did we lose? So, we so when I, when lost I, him pretty early. What I'm saying is, right, right now, if, if Georgia, if Georgia would have beaten, Georgia is ranked, if Georgia would have beaten Alabama, right? hmm Georgia lost, Brock Bowers is, went down, Lad McConkey went down. Like, they beat them, Alabama beat Georgia. Yeah. But Georgia had guys hurt. It's but a part of the game. But not the guy. But not the guy. I know. Is what but, now, but, but to me, now what we're doing is we're taking gradations of football teams. Injury is part of the game. Like overcoming. And I could see if Florida State would have lost the game and then if they would have dropped the game to Florida and then they would have went and won the ACC title. Okay. If they would have won the ACC title and they have one loss, then you look at that. But if they never lose, if they find different ways to win, then I don't understand. When we're talking about what's fair and what's not fair, we're talking about injuries aren't fair. It's not fair that you have to run it back in a game with a backup quarterback or with a backup left guard or a backup tackle or something like that. 
But as long as it's happening on the field, as long as what happens on the field gets to determine where people go and what they get, I'm cool with it. This is a bunch of people sitting in a room saying, okay, forget about what happened on the field. Forget about the fact that they kept winning. We are making the subjective determination that this team is better than them. So we're going to put them in. Yeah. I, I mean, I, again, I can see it both ways. I personally think what it comes down to is them trying to say that Alabama's better because it's what everybody always says. The SEC is so highly favored, which is why you keep seeing teams jump ship and, you know, basically form shop when it comes to different conferences. SEC, you're getting OU in Texas next year. It's because the SEC is favored. It's it's elite. It's There was the question of, for a second, there was the question of, if Georgia loses, does Georgia still deserve to be in it? Because it's an SEC team. And they look at them as, this is the toughest conference. This is where everybody, this is real football. This is where everybody wants to play. And so the idea of not having an SEC team in the college football playoff, I think was too much for the selection committee. They had to have an SEC team. There was no way that they were not. So I want to say something else. And it's money. I want to say something else. I want to talk to a lot of people that said Florida State would just got went into the playoff and got destroyed. Well, I don't know about that either. Maybe they would have. Maybe they would have gotten destroyed in the playoff. Mm-hmm. Maybe Florida State would have got went into the playoff. They probably would have been playing Michigan. Maybe they would have got destroyed. I'll tell you right now that no disrespect to Donnie. But if Florida State would have played Michigan without Jordan Travis, with three full weeks to get Rotomaker their backup ready, I think it's a winnable game for Florida State. I'm not saying that they will win. I'm saying that I just watched Michigan play Iowa. And if you have any more offense than what Iowa has, any more offense, you got a chance against Michigan because Michigan is a, Michigan is a possession team, a grinded-out team. They're not a boat race team. They're not a team that overwhelms you with ridiculously perfect uh, pinpoint quarter accuracy from a quarterback or they're an offensive line, control the ball of scrimmage, wear you down, ball constrictor team. And if you have a defense that can get some stops mm-hmm. and get them off the field, you can probably hang in there with them for a little while. Not saying that you can beat them, saying that that's not a game where I think that Florida State would have absolutely got demolished. I just think because people aren't basing it off of anything when they say Florida State's going to be, would have just like completely been blown out. This is what I'll say to you guys who didn't want to see a quote-unquote non-competitive game in the playoff. What playoffs have you been watching? <laughs> I'm going to go back through the playoffs over the last couple of years. In last year, obviously, TCU got beat 65-7 to, se- they, to seven against Georgia. You had a good game in the semifinal and a good game in the... In, 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 um, in, in, you had a good game in the, in the two semifinals, but the, the championship game was terrible. The year before that, Alabama beats Cincinnati 27-6. Georgia beats Michigan 34-11. Georgia then beats Alabama 33-18. The year before, Alabama beats Notre Dame 31-14. Ohio State beats Clemson 49-28. Alabama beats Ohio State 52-24. These are the big boys here we're talking about. These are the big boys. Everybody's healthy. Everybody's playing football. Don't get, don't get me started on what we did. LSU beats Oklahoma in the semifinal 63-28. to 63-28. to 28. Then we come back in the national championship game and beat Clemson 
42 to 25. The year before, Clemson, 30 to 3 over Notre Dame. Clemson, 44 to 16 over Alabama. That's a two versus a one. They're blowouts in the playoff all the time. They're more, they've been more blowouts in the playoff than there have actually been close games in the playoff. Sometimes when you guys are arguing with me about like how things should be and the kind of games you want to see, it doesn't feel like you watch enough college football to really have an opinion on this stuff. <laughs> if you don't want them to go in because you don't think that they're as good with their quarterback or you don't think whatever, but don't say you don't want them to be there because you don't think they can offer a quality game. Teams go in the playoff and get the shit kicked out of them all the time. All the time. It's been like a... It's, been a goddamn thing in the playoff. Well, I just don't understand this prejudice of like, when did we start looking at Florida State as a bad program? Well, they've been down. I know they've been down. I'm not saying, but also there is history there. You know, like they produce elite players. So, I mean, oh, we should have Crow on the podcast. I didn't even think about that. Who? We should have Cromarty on the podcast. Okay, we can get off this now, but I'm telling you, this is one of the biggest travesties I've ever seen. <laughs> and I, well, and, it's the last year, so you won't have and, to worry and about I it. Am, and I am, I love LSU. I'm wearing my LSU sweatshirt today. I'm not on that SEC shit. I can give a fuck less what happens in the rest of the SEC. I was arguing with people all weekend that thought that if Bama beat Georgia and Texas beat Oklahoma State, that Alabama should jump Texas. Go back and look at my Twitter. And I was... No, I saw, I saw, because they're I was, the SEC. I was, I was arguing with people. I'm going, Texas fucking beat Alabama. <laughs> they beat them in their stadium. How could they jump them when they beat them? Do the games not matter at all? The worst thing that could happen is Alabama win this whole thing. Because that just, feed, that just feeds into Especially since Donnie these team monsters. Shook. <laughs> Donnie team is shook of Alabama. Y'all are scared. Yes, they are scared, Donnie. They are Donnie, scared. Donnie, your, your guys are scared of Alabama. No, we are on the side of justice and we th just think it's fucked up. <laughs> That's really what it is about. You're cheaters. Like, there's an argument that y'all shouldn't even be there. Mm. Y'all want some of y'all's games cheating. Not Talk man. about it. So that, like, that, like, let's not, Donnie. I, I wanted to be Michigan and Texas, but to be honest, I don't understand why that wasn't thrown into the conversation. So if we're gonna talk about the cheating, the alleged cheating, after the alleged cheating was brought to the forefront and we were punished for this, and the alleged cheating was no longer uh, an issue because they were clearly weren't cheating anymore, allegedly. We continued to win. We won the biggest games that were on our schedule, which happened when we were being punished and we didn't have our coach and we still won those games. So I feel like that argument is also not right. It's like the Astros cheating. Honestly, they should have taken those games away from you. Wow. Ugh. Yeah. No, well, Gotta move on. Gotta move on. Give me guys a lot of college football. I'm living. I get it. I'm on the side of all the... Hey, Florida State fans, you kicked LSU's ass the first game and I was down on y'all. But I got to tell you right now, I'm one of y'all right now. <laughs> That's not, I'm sorry, bro. Oh, you're a Seminole? No. After we had um, nope. That's not what you, Chief I said, Chuck I said on? Florida State fans. <laughs> Beyonce, the movie debuted. Did you go see it? Nope. It debuted with 21 million bucks in the United States. Is that good? Uh, well, yeah. Uh, it's it's good. Okay. 
it's uh, I I thought it would have been more. Well, um, so many people went to the concert and multiple times. Wasn't it over there, like behind the scenes things in it? I didn't see it. Oh, but I thought it would have been more. I it. What did Taylor do? Ninety two million dollars when her shit opened. Mm. Yeah, it's tough. Mm. It's tough. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, it's different, man. It's like, Four times different. It's, 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 it's tough. It's tough. But I tell you what, when you look at the videos and the images that were coming out from Renaissance opening it up in theaters, people were super excited. Yeah, it looks amazing. Wow. I just didn't see it. And you didn't go see her in concert either. No, I'm at the concert. I have no idea about the film, but it looked amazing. But you didn't go to the concert. No. You're not fucking with her like that. I just... I. It's not on my to-do list. Again, if I, if I had been invited, I would have been more than happy to have gone. You really, people really got to invite you to get you out places. Huh? No, it's not that. It's just I wasn't going to spend the money to go. Oh, interesting. And I feel like I saw the whole concert via social media. Everybody on mute. See, Rachel would have been the one at the concert. Fucking oh, up the mute would challenge. Not have done you that. just fucked up the mute challenge. You are not Beyonce. I know, but what I'm saying is, right there, I, that just that was a test. I stayed mute long enough. How long were we supposed to do that? I don't know how we long got a podcast to do. To do. I'm not so, did you? Did, did you go see uh, the Beyonce concert? Did you go see her? I'm sorry. Can you say my name one more time? Did I say I said Alexa. Hi, my name is Alea. Alea. <laughs> <laughs> Alexa. Well, first, wait. I know what you did. So nice. We've known each other for like a year, but I got confused. Really great. I got confused. With Super it. good time. I'm oh, definitely not the Amazon. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I feel like wait. he got he he questioned himself because he started off right, no, and then look, you rushed okay. it, and I'm, I was I'm, like, okay, first of all, he got he got everybody scared. knows <laughs> I've typed her name out several times asking people to open up the thing. I feel like you got but I just did the Alexa thing yesterday at, at the house. Is what happened. I just installed Alexa, so I'm sorry. Did Great, you thank you. Hi, I'm Amazon Alexa. Um, did you go, did you I did see? not go see. The... Did, did, did anybody in there go see? Nobody yes. saw. Victoria did. In the Someone back. actually oh. did. She did. Victoria, come here. Hey, what's up? Uh, Vicky, <laughs> how long are you supposed to stay on mute? I feel like a good five to eight seconds. Oh, we did that. I don't think we did. You guys did a good, yeah. I think I think Rachel well, broke it before. I... <laughs> I do. I think it's okay. You're not fucking with Beyonce like that. It's cool. Okay, um, well, tell the people about Beyonce. Okay, so Beyonce uh, was, um, she did the, the Renaissance movie comes out. Mm-hmm. And there's some people that are mad. Okay. And I want everybody that can um, weigh in on this topic because it's an interesting one. Okay. Okay. Uh, it's a, it was a, a big deal. $20 million for the movie. Um, it fell a little bit short of its projections, but the movie's a success. Uh, it opened in 94 territories globally. Um, it's screened in Israel. Mm-hmm. And there are some people that are Beyonce fans that are heavily invested to the Free Palestine movie, Movement and are highly critical of Israel's actions in Gaza. Um, we're talking about 15,000 dead. We're talking about women and children being slaughtered. These are the criticisms that people have of Israel. And there are increasing calls here stateside and around the world to be involved in the BDS movement, which would 
wouldn't show support for Israel, which would boycott, divest, and sanction Israel. Um, there have been similar movements that have happened with regimes that people have, uh, or countries, should I say, that people argue have been involved in war crimes, genocide, apartheid, things like that in the past. And these are the, this is the framework of how people look at it, right? Uh, apartheid. There was a big, big, big divestment movement in the 70s and the 80s against apartheid. Uh, U2 wouldn't play Sun City. Mm-hmm. We're not going to go play there because it's an apartheid regime. The country, boom. There was hold a deal. song. Hold on. Hold it. You hold introduced it. me to it. Yeah, hold it. So it's nothing new. Um, when Taylor Swift's movie came out, it also played in Israel. People were upset then mm-hmm. as well. This has gone uh, pretty viral on the internet with people criticizing Beyonce and Taylor Swift for not pressuring theaters or distributors not to play the movie in Israel. One user wrote this. Big factor is AMC is distributing the film but not Beyonce herself. AMC has contractual obligations with cinemas so Beyonce can't just say remove the movie from Tel Aviv and AMC then says, says, says that okay. That's okay. People will then say, well, Beyonce should be saying something about how she feels about the movie being played in Israel or being played in a place uh, that's so controversial to people right now. And particularly, there are videos that came out of theaters in Israel and different places like that, singing Break My Soul and ha- having the Israeli flag up and all of that stuff. And people are wondering where Beyonce stands on this. Is this fair? I mean, it depends on how you look at your heroes, sheroes, superstars, celebrities, right? Mm -hmm. What is your expectation of them? I think this always comes about when there's this intersection between, you know, the art or the music and politics or you know, social justice? And is there a social responsibility from the entertainment industry or your celebrities to speak out? Beyonce has, you know, obviously she stands for social justice, uh, particularly in the Black community and with women, women empowerment. That's a lot of her platform. But she hasn't said anything about the war that's going on not. between Israel and Hamas. So I don't know why. Well, I, d- I did read that I guess back in 2016, she was supposed to do some shows there and um, she canceled them and then she added them on to the end of her tour. But then she uh, received some pressure from BDS and that movement. And so she just never went back and did those two, those tours. So maybe there is this, oh, that was an action of Beyonce in the past that she's not going to do performances in Israel because of what is going on. So maybe people who are aware of that expected her to do the same thing when it came to the movie. I don't know if she has the right uh, per her contract with AMC who's distributing the, the movie, but people expected her to say something maybe because of this or maybe because they just want that from a celebrity that they look up to, to know that she stands with the people or get, or for humanity, as a lot of people who are pro-Palestine are saying. Um, but I, I don't expect that from celebrities. I'm not, I, I, it would be nice, you know, to hear what her opinion is and for her to speak out. But I'm also not expecting Beyonce to say anything. I mean, it's, 
uh, remember we talked about the blood diamond mm-hmm. here and you know, she had the whole Tiffany campaign and she and Jay-Z were in the commercial wearing the diamond. And then when there was outrage against it, she said she didn't know. She might not know. She might not know. Mm-hmm. And she might not have even been aware about her movie being distributed in particularly Israel. She knew it was going to be worldwide. She might not have known. Mm-hmm. If she did know, would she have said anything? Just like if she did know about the diamond, would she have done the commercial? I don't know. But I don't have an expectation of celebrities to speak out in areas that is not a part of their brand. If they do, that's wonderful, but I don't have an expectation of that from them. I think there's a lot of fear behind that. So, two things for me. Number one is, the two questions, Chessie. First question is, um, is it okay for Beyonce not to even care about this? Because understand, what people are going to talk about with Beyonce. About this, can I just ask clarification of your question? When you say care about this, are you talking about the movie or are you talking about the war? The war. Is it okay for Beyonce not to care? No, it's not okay. Okay. Let me tell you, let me tell you why I asked that question. People say that Beyonce is very vocal about social causes. I can think of all kinds of causes that I've never heard Beyonce on. Sure. I've never heard Beyonce on the environment. I've never heard Beyonce on several different social causes, sure. things like that. Um, and that's not a criticism of her. It's hard to speak out on every single cause. What I'm saying is that what I've heard Beyonce address and talk about are things that seem to be particularly and specifically important to Beyonce. Mm-hmm. So when Beyonce talks about, when you see her with the mothers of the movement, she talks about blacks losing their lives uh, at the hands of police. She talks about social issues. She's reflecting, in my opinion, the uh, social and political imperative of a black woman that grew up in Houston, right? Mm -hmm. And those are things that I would expect her to care about. Now, maybe she wouldn't. Maybe there are some people that don't. But these are things that she's chosen to care about, things that she's chosen to get involved with. I don't know how she feels about this because she hasn't taken the time to articulate the way that she feels about it. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people that are criticizing her for this have to first ask, like, what does she really think? And there's a, I mean, LeBron James and Maverick Carter came out right away. We stand with Israel. Right. Like right away. Right. Right. We stand with Israel. And I don't know how much they know about the history there. And they're in, in the wake of a, of a terrorist attack, where so many innocent people were killed, there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, we are with our Jewish friends and we are with everybody that's hurting. I think people should have done that and still should be doing that. They should still be seeking to build bridges and throw out lifelines to people in the Jewish diaspora that feel either abandoned or under attack or anything like that, right? Israel as a state actor there are a separate set of criticisms that should be levied there. And as Israel prosecutes its war, there should be an expectation that they do that with minimal civilian casualties um, and uh, also with, you know, observing the sanctity of the lives of children. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think that's too much to ask either. And just even further past that, once Israel has prosecuted its war, the lives of Palestinians in Gaza and the West Bank, their day-to-day lives, their freedom of movement, 
um, their self-dignity and determination should be all things that we talk about as a global community. The question is, does Beyonce want to talk about it? And if she doesn't want to talk about him, is that okay? If Beyonce wants to be like Dr. Umar or so many other people, black people in this country that have gone, that has nothing to do with me. I think it's okay for Beyonce to not talk about it. Is it, is it okay for her to, for, is it okay for black people not to care about what's going on over there? Hmm. I think they should. Okay. I think everybody should care. Right. About what's going on. So let me just say that. Just like I said, is you said is the first your first question was, is it okay for her not to care? No, it's not okay. I think everybody should care what's going on. Uh-huh. Because I think it it first off, the US is involved and this is where we live. But also right. you're looking at the people who have been impacted by that. You're looking at like what's happening with the Israeli government, that there could be other nations that could possibly be involved. And just the fact of what's happening to humanity and the way a certain group of people are being treated is another thing to focus on. And also a terrorist act was committed. Like there's so many levels to look at it. So everybody should not be okay with what happened and they should be paying attention to it. Hmm. Now, should they all speak out on it? I don't think they have to. Because everybody just like, I just think it would be wrong for me to say that everybody who has a platform needs to be speaking out because I don't think everybody can. Mm. And that's why I don't think everybody should. So this is the deal here as far as what I've observed. What I've observed is people, I have to be honest, people that hold celebrities to very specific standards being unwilling to hold Beyonce to that same standard. So a lot of people, the the, the way that I saw this online was a lot of people who would get on somebody else for this, like hold a little space for Beyonce. And it's fine. Mm-hmm. I personally don't think that her movie playing in Israel says anything about her. I think, I think for her saying don't play the movie in Israel would be such a salvo that she'd have to be all the way buttoned up on that, right? Mm-hmm. And she'd have to explain what she means. She'd have to be very crystal clear and it would take a lot of conversation. Right. I think that there are people, to be honest with you, that would have done that. If it was Kalani's movie, it wouldn't be played. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are a lot of people. If it was Amory's movie, like people that I've seen be very uh, outspoken right. on this, it wouldn't be playing. There are a lot of people who have made it crystal clear the way they feel about this. She's just not one of them. She, but she's not that out. Even on the other issues, her it comes through donations. It comes through music. You don't see her or through a performance. Like, it always comes out through art. You don't really see her taking a stance in that way. Right. That's not her. So, but I would say this, though. There is an opportunity for people that feel a certain way about this to educate Beyonce on it and why she should care about it. And the only way you're going to be able to do that is through criticism. Now, if you have a problem with this and you don't like this and you treat her with kid gloves, then you're a hypocrite. Yeah. And and so to me, this is my problem with a lot of the internet activism that I see out there, a lot of the internet movements that I see out there. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult to be completely consistent as a human being at all times. Oh, yeah. But there are m- many people who would tell you that that's what they are, that this person is trash, this person is canceled, this person is this, this person is that. And then you get in a spot where it's Beyonce, someone who means a lot, and you 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 blanch a little bit. That's like because you, people have deified her, right? But what I, it's it's fine. 
I'm not saying I have a problem with them deifying her. What I'm saying is, is that the best way for her to understand how important this is to a chunk of her fans is to be critical of the decision that you might have with her. That, you you the, don't think she understands? I don't know. I mean, I know, we don't, know I know we don't know, but it'd be hard, I'd be hard pressed to think that Beyonce did not understand. I just don't, she just does not speak out. She's not, you know, it's, she doesn't ruffle feathers in that way because to to speak out, especially in this environment with the way emotions are immersed with with the situation, your people are going to either label you this or that. Yeah. And so Beyonce is never going, I would be shocked. I shouldn't say never, but I'd be shocked for her to ever say anything because you're going to be placed in a certain category. But, she, but they do so much work. Though. I don't want to make it seem like Beyonce. No, 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 no. I, and, I'm speaking about this in particular. I, I, they, they donate a lot. and, and they, they do they, a lot. They, they, they do, they they do, do a lot. and they donate. But they, they also sometimes take movements down like Colin Kaepernick. Boy. But my, my point is you don't know what she's doing behind closed doors, right? Like she could be offering support, humanitarian support. We have no idea. My point is about speaking out. That's not what she does. Right. My, my, the only thing I'm saying is this. I don't know if she cares. I don't think she has to care. But if you want her to care, giving her a passport is not the way that you're going to do that. So that's all I would say. This episode is brought to you by Shea Moisture. We finally got some deodorants designed specifically for people with rich melanin skin from Shea Moisture. And they're amazing. Made with Shea butter and black dermatologist approved. These deodorants give you and your skin the care that it needs. Now, here's the thing, Rachel. Okay. The deodorants came to the house. Yes, me too. You got yours. I got them. Kalika picked one up mm-hmm. specifically. And I was like, oh, why are you picking that one up? And she said, because it says it's even underarm tone. Mm-hmm. And she goes like, sometimes when you use the other deodorants, they leave like your underarms untoned or something like that. And she was so excited to have it. She went back and she started using it right there, which made me wonder if she had put deodorant off the day. <laughs> maybe she just reapplied. Maybe she, but, but like, so that's a, it's a huge deal. And I've been using it too. It's very great. It's good. It smell good. All yeah. Day. No, no, no. It is good. And it's last long. Like mm-hmm. I'm a sweater. Mm-hmm. So I need something strong. Mm. And I need, in addition to, I like that it evens out the underarm. I like the moisture and all of that, but it's the, I need it to last long. And this lasts for, it's a 48 hour sweat and odor protection, which is key. Wow. Uh, get the protection your skin deserves. Tap the banner to learn more or visit SheaMoisture.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Look at you. You're smart. You're stylish. You've just got it going on. And your ride should be no different. The new 2024 Hyundai Sonata Hybrid is the sedan that meets all your needs. With head-turning details like a sleek front-end plus stylish interior and an available 12.3-inch digital instrument cluster and seamless tech integration. Okay, Hyundai. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the 2024 Hyundai Sonata Hybrid. The the biracials are mad yet again. Why? Lenny Kravitz. I love Lenny. You love him? He's probably on the biracial Mount Rushmore, wouldn't you say? Who's on the biracial Mount Rushmore? <laughs> Donnie? Let's make it. Who's on the biracial Mount Rushmore? Barack Obama. Okay. This is the biracial Mount Rushmore. Uh, this is tough. Alexandria, you can, like, you can wait. You, 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 you can wait. So disrespectful. Um, who's on the biracial Mount Rushmore? The biracial Mount this Rushmore. This is tough. Okay, so... Barack, Barack Obama. For sure. Okay. Who else? 
biracial Mount Rushmore. Let's go. Are we counting Malcolm X as biracial? <sighs> no. The mother, the mother, nah. the mother was biracial. I'm not, I'm not, nah, I'm not okay. Doing. All right. The mother was. I'm not counting. I'm not doing it. Okay. All right. Biracial Mount Rushmore. Okay. Malcolm X. No, you're not counting Malcolm X. No, no, X. excuse me. Barack Obama. Who else? Let's see. Best historical. Best biracial. Historical. <laughs> biracial people. Biracials. <laughs> Famous biracial and black people. All right. These are the ones. So this is, this is, I'm reading this off CNN.com. So they got, they got Jennifer Bills on there. Okay, no. I love Jennifer Bills. Yeah, but we're talking about Rushmore. Does, mean, does that mean dis- we dislike you because you're not making the list? Frederick Douglass. Is he biracial? Yeah. Well, he's got to go. Yep. So but we, I, I really didn't know that about him. We got him. Obama and Frederick Douglass. Okay. Mm-hmm. Who else? Oh, Booker T. Washington. He was? Yeah, they're saying that... Uh, wait, wait, wait. Are we saying a, a parent was white? Or, this is what I don't saying. know, okay, I so don't look, know this, about this. This is what it's saying. It's saying Booker T. Washington, educator and champion of rights for blacks, was born to a black woman, Jane. She never mentioned his white father, who was said to be a nearby planner. I can't believe I didn't know that. I, I just... Reggie Douglas, I knew. I can't believe I didn't know that about Booker T. Actually, actually makes a lot of sense when you think about it with Booker T. Washington. Um, let's see. They got Maya Rudolph on here. That's not going to make it. Lenny Kravitz is on this list. Okay. Uh, Lisa yeah, so Bonet. She wants to join her husband too. Uh, okay, Wentworth Miller, you're not going to make it. Uh, Rashida Jones, The Rock, Drake. Uh, nah, you're not going to make it, dog. Jasmine Guy. Okay. The Hughes brothers. Armenian and black. Shout out to them. Faith Evans. Her father was an Italian mu- musician. I knew she was. Never knew this. A Slash, of course. <laughs> uh, Bob Marley. Bob Marley is one. I think Bob okay, Marley's got to Okay, Bob, Bob Marley's got to go. Sade. Mm-mm. August Wilson. He this, was? Yeah, Malcolm Gladwell. Man, these biracials kicking our ass right now. I'm not going to lie, bro. Shout out to them. Derek Jeter, who I'll see later on this week. Um, okay, so this is... Okay, so... Okay, well, uh, from the list you've given so far... Frederick Douglass. Okay, I'm Frederick Douglass, Barack Obama. Okay, so... That's those are the only two from that genre of political thought people. Now we got to give some entertainers. No, who was the person you just named that I was, I was like they have to go? Um, it was before you said Derek Jeter. Before Derek Jeter, that was who did he say? Jordan yeah. Sparks. No. no. Um, August Wilson. August Wilson could be. No, Bob Marley. Oh, Bob Marley. Bob, Bob Marley. Marley. We, we need. We need to. We need. No, we need. No, we need to. We need some women on here. No, I know. Alicia Keys. Uh, Mariah Carey. Oh, oh, okay. Mariah Carey. Mariah Carey over Alicia, but that's a good guess. So, so these, so these I mean, are name. Okay, so what about Kamala Harris? Mariah Carey. So, so Mariah Carey. So then, who else? Biracial, biracials now. I think Lenny can go up there. You think Lenny is up there? You got to think about what Lenny's done. All right, I'm looking at it right now. Biracial, famous biracial women. This is this is. I'm, one look, of I'm on a woman's list right now. Are you? That's how I came up with Mariah. Halle Berry. Halle Berry. Halle Berry got to be on there. So this is the list. So we got to take Mariah off. So you put Halle Berry over Mariah. 
Can I Mount Rushmore be six people? Six people. Fuck, add another one. I don't care. This is this is the this is the biracial list. You put Zendaya on there? No. Well, that's adding two. It's four. Okay, so <laughs> well, I mean, it's so ours. who is Donnie? Who is the list so far of biracials? You said Frederick Douglass. Okay. Barack Obama, Bob Marley. I feel like those were the three we con- we for sure were saying yes. All Donnie's the voice were... is so serious. <laughs> those three for <laughs> sure. <laughs> so they have to be on there. Okay, who else? So then we need two women. We need two biracial women. I mean, I got Hallie and Mariah, Meghan Markle. Nigga, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Maya Rudolph? Maya Rudolph, she says. I saw, I thought about that. Maya Rudolph? Shout out to Maya Rudolph. But man. but no. Hmm. Um, I will say this. I really do feel like we're leaving out some important biracial I women. I know we are. Because this is um, this is uh the the three guys we have on there, a fucking Obama, Bob Marley, and and Frederick Douglass. That's some real biracial heat right there. <laughs> Rachel, I need you to. I'm I, I'm really thinking. I'm really really trying to. Be like, who are we missing? Because I can go with more guys. It's Drake, J. Cole, you know. <sighs> Gotta think about it. All right. Shout out to all our biracial people that listen to us, man. We fucking with y'all. Shout out to Bitracial. You know, shout out to all the people that fuck with us on the biracial prism. Um, Y'all just black to me, but I got we got to give it up. Lenny Kravitz, is he's getting some of the beige rage out. He says that um, he was talking to the Grio, four-time Grammy winner. Lee Kravitz is upset. He says he doesn't get the love from black media. He was not talking to the Grio. He's talking to Esquire. He's talking to Esquire. Okay, so he talked to the Grio after that. Yeah. So he, when he was um, upset, he was talking to Esquire. And then when he got it right, he was talking to the Grio. It's very interesting. Uh, the original quote is this. To this day, I've not been invited to a BET thing or Source Awards thing. Lenny Kravitz, my nigga, you want to go to the Source Awards? Thank <laughs> you. It's just naming black awards. Well, just hold on real quick. Like, Lenny Kravitz, first of all, they haven't done the Source Awards in forever. I know. So that, to me, is a problem. So Lenny says he hasn't been invited to a Source Awards thing. The fact that he doesn't know that they haven't done the Source Awards in so fucking I don't think long he's saying that tells he, me that he's not really no, tapped in. No, I don't think he's saying it exists. He's saying that when it was popular, so was he, and he was never invited. My nigga, who... They weren't inviting guys like Lenny Kravitz to the Source Awards. Well, that's what he's saying. Okay. Um, <laughs> I've never been invited to a BET thing or a Source Awards thing. And it's like, here's a Black artist who reintroduced many Black art forms, who has broken down barriers just like those that came before me broke down. That is positive. And they don't have anything to say about it. Interesting. Now, he has a new statement. This was to the grill. It is important to me to set the record straight on recent media reports Based on an interview that I did, my black musical heritage means a lot to me. And I owe my success to supporters who have taken this journey with me over the span of my career. The comment I made was not about black media or the black community. I was specifically referring to black award shows in particular. My comment was meant to express a concern about ensuring that black artists are being recognized for their work in what is now being called non-traditional black music, which it is not. Rock and roll is the music we were instrumental in creating and is a part of our history. 
We must retain our heritage and celebrate that together. BT and countless others have paved the way for this type of recognition. I hope that by sharing my concern, a spotlight will be shown on this issue. Love and peace, Lady Kravitz. Rachel, what are your thoughts on this strong black man? Well, I know where you are because you don't think he should have been at the Source Awards. And I think the fact that he wanted to go says that he wants to be involved with black music award shows. Yeah. And he's done collaborations with, like, he's been on Jay, done stuff with Jay-Z. Um, black people fucking love Lady Kravitz. I know they do, <laughs> okay. for a variety of reasons, but right. he's not getting the love or the recognition is what he feels like. I'm glad he put out that statement to clarify because I'm like, black media has shown you love. Like, you've been on the cover of Essence magazine. Like, I know black women love Lenny Kravitz, and I'm sure black men do as well. I, I can't, I stammer when I interview him. Like, I can't even, like, put out a, fine, just make a face if you want. I posted it on my social media. I could barely get a word out. Like, I, like he had me stumbling over all my words. There's something about Lenny Kravitz. Anyways, um, I think the important thing to note is that he obviously wants, like, he speaks. He's not one of those people who's like, I think I'm above it or I don't want any connection to Black music or recognition from Black media specifically when it comes to music publications, he wants that and desires that. But I think that if I do disagree with him in the sense that if he wanted this and he feels this strongly about it, then maybe he should have been proactive in his team and telling them to to pitch either pitch him to Black music publications or demand that he needed to be doing exclusive with a Black music publication. I will also say that in defense of Lenny Kravitz, he might have told his public uh, his publicity team that because um, Michael Harriet had a really interesting ar- uh, article where he wrote about this. And there could be a world where he did tell his publicity team that and they could have either not pitched him or they could have pitched him and people did say no. Or, yeah, like they could just be lying to him, period. Because I remember when I was the Bachelorette, I told the publicity team, that I wanted to do Black media. And they came and I gave them a list because they didn't know who to reach out to. And I gave them a list, radio stations, publications, media, of who I wanted to talk to. And they came back to me and they were like... Who are these niggers? I was like, so what about this? Like, what about this? And they were like, they're not interested in talking to you. Whoa! That is what they took flat out. That's what Are they told me. Are you telling me that black media wasn't interested is, in talking to Rachel Lindsay? This is what they told me. And I remember, and I'm not like nowhere close to Lenny Kravitz, but I'm just telling you my personal story. And I was shocked. Like, I didn't expect everybody to want to talk to me, but I was like, well, why couldn't I do this? Why couldn't I do this? And they were like, well, they, we didn't hear a response for them. Or they said that they weren't interested. But then later... I met some people from a pub, a black publication and they were like, we tried to talk to you multiple times and we reached out and they were ignored. So I feel like I was being lied to. So mm. what I'm saying is in the sense that there were maybe some people ignored, but there were people and then they just these publicity, uh, the people who are in charge of publicity back then just ignored it. So Lenny Kravitz could have wanted this, could have told his publicist this, and this is more in response to Michael Harriet's article, and they just said no. They yeah. weren't interested. And I do think that Lenny brings up a good point. He does not do 
rap. He doesn't do R&B. He might have had collaborations with hip-hop artists, but that is not what he is. He's classic rock. He can be pop. He can be hard rock. And even though there's a history of rock and roll, obviously, it comes from our community. In general, especially in present day, people don't look at that as Black music now. And so I do think that Lenny Kravitz is ignored, and I believe him when he says he hasn't been invited to certain things, and he should, because he wants to be. He is a Black man, and he deserves it. And he's, he's an icon. This aggravated the shit out of me. That he said this? It's just the whole fucking thing is aggravated. But he's right. Just aggravated the fuck out of me. Why? Because, number one, you're, sitting up, you're talking to Esquire, man, you know? I know how this goes. I worked at TMZ. You know, it, it, it's like you're talking to Esquire, like black people don't invite me to shit. It, it comes off as if we don't fuck with Lenny Kravitz. It's very light-skinned. It, it comes off as if... If we, he's never... If he's telling the truth. He's not. So you don't think BET has ever... Has, you think you BET... T- you're telling me right now... I need BET to make a statement. BET doesn't fuck with Lenny Kravitz? I found that very hard to believe. So you're calling Lenny a liar. I'm saying that there's probably some light-skinned angst no, that you're is calling going into this entire thing. And I, and, and I would like for... I would like for Black people to stop bearing the brunt of everybody's angst. I, I, I'm not downplaying what Lenny is saying, but I'm saying that there's probably some miscommunication here. There might be. And saying that Black people or Black media doesn't fuck with Lenny Kravitz. Well, he corrected that because I was de- I was like looking that up. I'm like, I know Black media messes with Lenny. And that's why he had to come out and correct it. He was specifically talking about music awards. But I need BET to make a statement, which they have not yet. If BET has invited him, I would be, if I was in BET... Stephen Hill has made a statement. Okay, go ahead. Uh, this is what Stephen Hill said. Stephen Hill posted a flashback Friday of Lenny Kravitz on the set of 106 in Park. Not a musical award Oh, show. my God. Okay. It's only the biggest show no, they had. No, 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 it was like, like no. No, I'm saying he clarified. He, again. Yo, it's, it's, it's what's wild. The, what's the apology so, say? So what does the apology it says, say? It says here. It says here. I mean, his response. Um, to set the record straight. He, he, this is what he says. He goes, Lenny Kravitz and your boy on the set of 106 in Park on what I believe was his first, but I know was not his last visit to the show. One of my favorite musicians and performers of all time. Then a fan said, was he invited to the BET Awards? Steven responded, I respect that question because you don't know me. Understandable. And anyone that knows, knows. And that's my answer. That's not... what. Either just say you did or didn't. Okay. So... You so, were clear on he was invited to a BET show. So he was you not, no, no. He was on BET. So okay, saying that he doesn't get love is some okay. That's but he clarified it because I was with you. That, I'm looking it up. I'm like, you do get love from black media. You're wrong. And he clarified. He specifically said he'd never been invited to a BET or Source Awards. He clarified that. And if BET Music Awards show is honoring black music. And here's my thing. If Stephen Hill said with his whole chest, put up pictures in the Flashback Friday to give proof and evidence that Lenny Kravitz was invited to a BET show, then why are you not doing that about the BET Wars? You simply could have said he was invited. And he didn't. Why didn't he say that? I'm just be honest with you. Here's the deal. Why didn't he say that? I'll just be honest with you. I, I don't think... I don't think that this was fair of Lenny Kravitz. 
to tell Esquire. Been, so if he had spoke, said that to the griot, would you felt would you feel different? No, if if you if you want, obviously he knows Stephen Hill. It's fine. Look, whatever. Lenny Kravitz. This this is the type of shit that I'm talking about, though, guys. This is the, you know what I'm saying. This is the type of shit that no. I'm talking about. People feel othered, and then they do stuff to other themselves even further. But if you. Lenny Kravitz, if Lenny Kravitz has not been invited to the BET Awards, he's not feeling othered. He's been othered. No, he's not because he was on BET. I said awards. So, They're two different things. So it's a recognition. You know what they call it? Right. Music, black, uh, music's, uh, black music's big, biggest, biggest night. Biggest night. Yeah. Black music. Yeah. If you fit a certain genre. Well, I mean, unfortunately for us, you can make an argument that the music that he does is no longer black music. Well, but but he has had to break. For us. But he has had to break down. Okay, let's say that 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 is true. Right. Rock and roll is not considered if you do a black. Best, if you do a best rock and roll category, it's going to be fucking rock and roll. Lenny Kravitz, the fucking killers. Like, but that <laughs> even says more. Black, black. Uh, excuse me. Rock and roll is not considered black, but he's been able to break down doors and sell millions and millions of records as a black man. So it's not just about black music. It's also about black artists. It's about black artistry. Yeah. He is an icon. He should have been considered. If even um, if, it, if it's for one of the, I don't know what they call the award where they're honoring just the musician for what they've done. Yeah. Okay. They had Kid Rock at the BET Awards. They've had Kid Rock. They put Jack Harlow over Lil Nas X. Like, they, like there are... So you're saying the BET Awards is a sham. They've had Iggy Azalea. Yeah, not, over, you say it's a sham. No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, if Stephen Hill has invited him, he should come out and say that. Should Kid Rock have been from... honored by the NAACP? <laughs> like, Kid Rock if you're Lenny Kravitz, how does that make you feel? Well, he didn't say NAACP, but I'm just saying, he doesn't feel othered. He has been othered. Wow. So, I, look, I don't, I, I think this is a thing, and I think that if Lenny Kravitz had wanted to go to the BET Awards, I don't think it's a problem. I'm sure if he had asked, of course he would have been invited. But you should want a Lenny Kravitz to be there. Like he should have. I'm. I was shocked to know he has never performed on stage. At the BT Awards, he's Lenny Kravitz. Yeah, he, it's not even just his I music. He's a away. sex symbol. He's like so him. sexy. Yes, I love him. Anderson Pack was on the BT Awards. What is that? He's biracial. He's biracial. Another biracial that that he does rock esque music. So does Miguel sometimes. Miguel be on. They had Miguel on that bitch. Bro, I'm gonna be honest. You're with just you. proving my point I'm be, I'm even be, more. I'm saying that there's nothing personal against Lenny Kravitz. That it it, it might be and Lenny. If I'm Lenny Kravitz, I'm feeling a certain way. Like, why has my phone not rang for the BET Awards? Tell you straight up, man. He could present. The Source Awards. Why hasn't Awards. he presented? That would be so funny if he'd have gone to the Source Awards, man. Lenny Kravitz stabbed five times. Calm down. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Source Awards is getting popped. It used to. Uh, you like the Beatles? I'm not a big Beatles fan. No, Donnie, I think all their, a lot Donnie of their songs it. sound the same. No, I'm not a big fan either. I watched that Disney Plus documentary like a couple Christmases ago, and yeah. then I got into them for a few weeks. But I'm not, I'm not a big, big fan like that. Uh, so there's a drummer out there, a legendary drummer, Bernard Purdy. Played with a lot of people: Aretha Franklin, James Brown, BB King, Steely Dan, Miles Davis, The Rolling Stones, Dizzy Gillespie, Hall and Oates, Paul Simon, Cat Stevens, Ray Charles, Jeff Beck, and the Beatles. And he says he's played more than you think. He's played for the Beatles. The part that hurts, the real, real part that hurts is that the people do not understand fixing 
records was a way of life. In the 60s and the 70s, it was a way of life fixing up records because 98% of the groups, self-contained groups, are not on their own albums. They are not on their own albums. And what I did and what I was doing was going in, I was one of the few drummers who could actually go in, join the group, and make the records. Because the record companies were paying a lot of money to make these records happen. My thing was, I got along with everybody and I never went out and started hollering and complaining, no, that ain't so-and-so, so-and-so doing this, that, and the other. And I just did a job. The Beatles music was just another job for me. Another job. Because half of the songs that I played, I played on 21 tracks of the Beatles. Half of them had no drums. Because they kicked him out in the beginning. And the whole point is that whether you realize it or not, whether you want to believe it or not, it becomes irrelevant at this point. But you're going to find out that he's not on anything. Bernard Purdy is an influential folk musician. He's known for his precise musical timekeeping and his signature use of triplets against the halftime backbeat called the Purdy, Purdy Show. Show. <laughs> he was inducted into the Modern Drummer Hall of Fame in 2013. A lot of people are using this to cast aspersions on the musical talents of the Beatles. What about you? What, do you? Do I think it's true? I mean, now do you think it's true? Do you think guys like this, do you think there's a... So the Beatles are, are known as the greatest rock music group of all time. Maybe the music, biggest music group of all time. But they make no bones about the fact that they were heavily influenced by black artistry. Right. And worked heavily with guys, not just not just him, but other guys, you know, like uh, Billy Preston, all of this. The Beatles, the Beatles were huge collaborators, we should say. And, and, and I thought that they're that, not because they were these incredible or fantastic musicians. It was just like, they were just like pumping out songs like crazy, like just making hit after hit after hit. I guess I wasn't yeah, it's, thinking. It's, it's the songwriting, it's, but the Beatles are master songwriters. Yeah, this, but yeah. not, I mean, not like the musicianship, I guess, is what I'm thinking of. Right. Um, this has changed yeah. what you think about the Beatles at all? I, I, I really am not into the Beatles like that. You don't fuck with them. Do black people fuck with the Beatles? I think we do. Black people love the Beatles. I, no, they may. They may. I just really, I'm not well versed on the Beatles. I've heard a couple of songs. I think a lot of them sound alike. I think a lot of them have similar set. I'm always like, oh, really? okay, that's yeah. I mean, like the the ones that I've heard, except like Twist and Shout, that sounds different from. Do you like uh, Do you like Come Together? You like Michael Jackson's Come Together? Come Together. I I, I don't dislike it, but I'm Here just comes I'm all not, up. He comes grooving up slowly. He's safe. They don't move me like that. They're they're pre they're like simple kind of like easygoing songs. I don't know the, the music just doesn't move me like that. To each it. their own. I get it. To each their own. This is no. I am not taking away from anything the Beatles have done. I'm just saying for me. <laughs> for me, I list all. I see all these other people that Bernard Purdy's worked with, and I'm like, wow. 
you know, B.B. King, James Brown, Aretha Franklin, Rolling Stones, Hall & Oates. You think Hall & Oates is better than the Beatles? I like them better. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that they are better. Ray Charles, like, I don't want to take away from what they've done be- just because I'm not a huge fan. I'm just saying that they haven't moved me. So, you know. Here's the thing about the Beatles. This is why I think the Beatles are so legendary. The songs are so memorable because, like, to me, the Beatles, the covers of Beatles songs are oftentimes better than the originals. And that tells me, I'm, I'm being honest, like, if you, when you ask me about Beatles songs, mm-hmm. I like uh, Ben Harper's Strawberry Fields. Okay. You know, I mean, we can go down there. I like Fiona's, Fiona Apple's Across the Universe. Like, I like, they're different songs from the Beatles. And that, so what does that tell you? That the songs are constructed beautifully in their timeless. Because, like, it, if you, if you can, it's one thing not to dig some, like, I watch, I like Billy Preston's Get Back more than I like the Beatles' Get Back. I See, like, this goes to, like, what no, I... No, but what I'm telling you is that the songs themselves, the fact that they can jump genres, the fact that they can be twisted and a different spin can be put on, and they still... That means... That tells me that they'll all... Even when the sound has expired, the construction of the songs and how they look at the songs and what's in the songs and the timing of them and all of that stuff, it'll live forever. And that, to me, is the genius of them. There's very few Beatles songs that I like their version better than my favorite cover. But I do fuck that with the Beatles. That makes sense. That makes a lot of but, sense. But, you know, I, I think that this is more important to talk about because I think there's this idea that Black artists laid the framework of rock and roll. And then once the white artists came in, the Black artists oh, just yeah, left. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That they weren't a part of the creation of this music, that they weren't a part of the recording of this music, and that they had no stake in the rock and roll that was coming out in the 60s and the 70s. That's not true. There were Black session musicians, Black songwriters, Black guitarists, Black drummers. There were Black guys. Music directors. Music directors. There were Black guys like Drake's uncle, Larry Graham, the slap bass that were changing the sounds all the time. Lenny Kravitz, we just talked about it. It's not like we just jumped out of it. It's just that it, it left we home. We weren't front-facing. We weren't front-facing anymore. And this guy is saying, hey, I was still using my... He was still putting that on Ringo Starr. Ringo Starr caught a stray here, though. Because even, even you see the, uh, the Quincy Jones joint? Now he came back and apologized. Quincy Jones apologized? Mm-hmm. But you know what's funny? Is I would like, before all of our brothers that are up, getting up in age, before they leave us, the musicians and stuff, I would like to get them together and let's just let them get their shit off. Because whenever you let them get their shit off, they start talking some heavy shit. And that's what he was doing. He was talking some heavy shit. Ray Charles was talking some heavy <laughs> shit about Elvis. Quincy Jones was talking some heavy shit about Ringo Starr. They're, they Can were you not imagine? as impressed with these motherfuckers as the rest of the well, world Because Quincy Jones started at like, what, like 14? Yeah. You know? Can you imagine the stories that Quincy Jones would have mm-hmm. to tell? Yeah. Uh, and, and the only reason he got silent, because he did it in a couple of interviews, and his daughters were like, you need to stop talking so much in interviews. He said it. He was like, my daughter said that I need to s- slow down and stop talking so much. See? But it's like, he's But you know why they said that? He was saying too much. No. The reason why they didn't let him talk his shit, that's that biracial shit. 
<laughs> Which he did. His, the wife, their mother, was ex-girlfriend oh. of Paul McCartney. Oh, Quincy Jones never saw a white woman. He, he wouldn't. Like, Quincy Jones. <laughs> like, if you wanted to stop, if there would have been Hooters in the 40s and the 50s, we wouldn't even have Quincy Jones. There's too many white women. <laughs> like, Quincy Jones never saw a white woman that he wasn't like, oh, that's mine right there. Gotta have that. Quincy Jones sitting home right now. I'm telling you, if I'm some of these other ladies, I'm surprised that he hasn't, I would like to see what he thinks about Taylor Swift. He hasn't slid in them DMs or something. Quincy okay. Jones. Quincy Jones has been with every notable white woman. Like, Peggy Lipton, Natasha Kinsey. Like, he had the, the white women. Okay? He likes a white woman. So what? Why, why is that wrong to say? Well, I'm just, I'm not saying it's wrong to say. I'm just like, okay, we get it. And then... He's just such an old man. I'm just like, leave him alone. He isn't... That's not wrong. I didn't say it's wrong. I said, leave him alone. So the thing is this, and he he has, you know, the kids and half of them are diehard Beatles fans because of the white. And then they say, dad, don't say that about them. And that's why. We don't know if they're Beatles fans. Because if it was like, if honestly, if his kids, let's say he had kids with like, I don't know, like Shaka Khan or something like that. They'd have been like, fuck that nigga Ringo Starr, daddy, talk your shit. But that's the that's what we're talking about. Well, it's all one diaspora. We're all together. We're all black. Rashida Jones is one of the most beautiful women. Like Kadita Jones, she was with Tupac, which Quincy maybe wasn't such a fan of at first, which once again, you know, kind of what I'm talking about. It's all, we're all together. I don't want people to think we're not together, but I will say, I just want to keep reaching out to my biracial brothers and sisters to keep getting their feedback. I want to, I want to Do always, you? Because you also keep telling them how, who they are. We're not telling them who they, they are. And what they, well, you just assume that all of his children love the Beatles. You don't know that. What I'm saying is that it's no coincidence that he was talking. I say, I want to get all the brothers together so they can talk their shit. <laughs> That's what I said. And then you said his daughters told him to stop talking yes, about this. What I'm saying is, it's no coincidence that these were Peggy Lipton's kids who were probably No, he has six this. daughters and two are from Peggy. Okay. And are, the, are, they, are they all biracial or does he have? Okay. So... <laughs> <laughs> Y'all gonna be so mad at me. It's a joke, guys. I love, I'm from Louisiana, home of the Creoles. Yeah, very true. Okay, so like, I've, I've been telling these jokes since I was a kid. Um, <clears throat> look, uh, we're in wacky times here. So it's nice, man. Let's take a break before we get here. Trigger warning on this one. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC Pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. 
<sighs> so, Warren, Ohio. A woman's miscarriage led to an abuse of corpse case before a grand jury. I saw this on the page of the good brother, Ben Crump. Mm-hmm. Everybody should be following Ben Crump. Everybody should be supporting what Ben Crump is doing. Ben Crump is out there for us. Brittany Watts of Warren, Ohio, was charged with felony abuse of corpse, accused of trying to plunge a toilet after having a miscarriage delivery at 22 weeks while using the restroom. The assistant prosecutor said that the police investigation found that Watts miscarried the baby while using the restroom and tried to plunge and flush the remains down the toilet where it got stuck in the pipes. Forensic, forensic pathologists testified an autopsy showed uh, no injury to the fetus and that the unborn fetus had died before passing through the birth canal. He said that Watts' medical records showed she visited the hospital twice before delivery. She was informed that miscarrying her baby uh, was not viable. Uh, she was presumed, she was, she was informed that she was miscarrying, she was, excuse me, that her baby was not viable and that she was, uh, she was then sent home to miscarry. Um, this is one of the most triggering and terrible stories that I've, that I've seen in a while. Um, even going through this, compounding what this woman must have gone through with her fighting for her freedom or or to not be viewed as a criminal uh, is one of the most sad and disheartening things I've seen in the news in a while. And what, I, it, 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 on so many levels, like this is absolutely outrageous. When people, the people who are pro-life and the people who were in support of the Dobbs decision, I really don't think that you took into consideration all the complexities that would come with a ban on abortion. This case alone, and if, and if found guilty, the precedent that it can set just within the state of Ohio, but then for other states to also try to do similar things. Didn't take into consideration women having ectopic pregnancies, doctors refusing treatment just because they're so afraid to be held guilty or to be found, you know, yeah, to be found guilty for performing, um, you know, to save a, a, a mother's life or a baby's life or whatever it may be, just because there's a ban on abortion in their state. Women having to birth babies that are already deceased or with defects. I mean, it's the list goes on and on and on. And this right here, so this once again is showing the judge in this case, a man. The prosecutor in this case, a man. It just shows the ignorance and the incompetence that people have when it comes to miscarriages. This woman wanted her child. So she's already having to deal with the fact that she lost a baby that she wanted. She was regularly going to her doctor visits, went to two of them before her doctor told her that the baby, there was, there was something wrong with the baby and that she was going to have a miscarriage. Sent her home. What people don't realize is one in four pregnancies end in miscarriage in the first trimester and one in five in the second trimester. This is according to the March of Dimes. People aren't educated about and even mothers, mothers who unfortunately do have to miscarry, they're not educated on how this affects them emotionally, and they are not educated on the process of miscarrying and what to do 
when they miscarry. And majority of miscarriages do happen in the toilet when the baby comes through. Can you be imagine being a mother who wanted to have child, who planned, planned for this child, or maybe didn't plan, but still wanted to have this child, and then has to go through seeing like all that comes out of her in a toilet or a bed or wherever it may happen, and then not being educated on what to do with all of that. And then with this woman, it's so awful what happened with her and how it went through the toilet. And I'll spare all the details because I know this is hard for anyone who has gone through this or knows someone who's gone through it. It's just tough to hear. But then had to, it messed up the toilet, had to call someone to fix it. And then they end up criminally charging her for this. When there is no law in Ohio that says how you're supposed to bury a child when you miscarry them. There's nothing on it. And there's no education. And so I think that this not only brings awareness to abortion laws and what this ban is doing, it also brings education on miscarriages and how women who suffer them often don't know what to do. They're just told to go home, maybe take medicine and deal with it. They're not admitted into the hospital to deal with their miscarriage. They have to deal with it at home. And now that you could be criminally charged for it, it's, I, I, I mean, I, I I hope that this case is dismissed. I pray for this woman who has to go through this. I can't even imagine. Now there's being attention being shown, not national enough. More attention needs to be. But I, I do hope that what comes out of this is that this is used to show why there should not be a ban on abortion. And it's fought again in the court system to let, and I hope that women are once again allowed to have autonomy over their own bodies. This is a black woman. That doesn't go unnoticed to, to me. Mm-hmm. I wonder how this woman is treated prior to going through this ordeal if she is white. It seems like she was left on an island all alone to try to figure out what to do in one of the most traumatic times of her life. She had no support, no care, no guidance all by herself. And so many of the circumstances surrounding this, I see black women going through way too much. I'll just be honest with you. I wonder where the hospital was in this situation. And I gotta be honest with you. Doctors were, how they treat black women who are pregnant, who are having trouble uh, trouble pregnancies. I also wonder where the father of this child is. And I'm speculating, but I wonder what set of circumstances has to exist for someone to be uh, in a bathroom by themselves going through that with absolutely zero support. And perhaps it was something that she was trying to keep from people. Perhaps it was something she didn't feel like. But more than anything, before I get to, you know, the ridiculousness of her being criminally prosecuted for this. I just wonder how we're taking care of the women who are with child in our community and whether or not the medical community, the community itself, brothers, sisters, are showing enough care and treating women that are in uh, that are pregnant 
Uh, with enough tendons. I wonder if they're getting what they need, what what they need, not just, you know, while they're pregnant, but after the pregnancy, all that stuff, stuff that we've talked about here on this podcast. I just think that there's a whole gumbo of dysfunction here. And it makes me wonder all types of, I'm not in any way absolving the legal part of this. The legal part of this is disgusting. But I just see that as kind of being on the backside just so indicative of what black women go through. Like, she just, it seemed like she was just going through pain after pain after pain, physical pain. She was going through the emotional pain. She was going through the pain of the loneliness of being alone with this. And then after that, after all of that, which is completely antithetical to what the world should be showing her while she has a child inside of her, right? Everything that's going on with her. That she wanted. Of all of that, after all of that, on the other side of it, she's criminalized. I think it just speaks in general, like like I was saying, with miscarriages. It is common. They don't hospitalize you for miscarriages unless there's like some type of threat to your health. Mm. They send you home and you don't know when you're going to miscarry. Like you don't know the moment it's going to happen. So most times people are alone, even if they do have a significant other who's supportive and who's there. Like, you just don't know. And even if she, you know, you're not in the hospital, you know, like unfortunately for people who do suffer miscarriages, if you don't go to the hospital, and it's not often that they tell you, hey, you're about to miscarry. Like, you you might just be at home and it just might happen. You know, you might just start bleeding. Like, you just don't know. Well, I'm saying that's fucked up. I'm no, saying that there's some, so that there should up. be some sort of support, some something. If we care about life, we, it, look, I'm, I'm telling you that that, that to me, even if that's the way that they do it, that to me is unacceptable. And we don't have the structures that we need in order to ensure that our women particularly are going to be safe in those instances. And now we know that not only are they not safe, they'll be preyed upon by overzealous prosecutors who want to make political statements uh, rather than treating women, particularly black women as human beings. I'm disgusted. Um, It, I want everybody to be on top of this. Once again, the woman's name is Brittany Watts of Warren, Ohio. This case is one of those cases that I feel like is going to be fundamental to how we go forward dealing with issues like this. There's always flashpoint cases. There are always points, inflection points in communities where decisions are made and then we base, we move off those. Like, what happens here? What happens here? And say if this was okay, this is okay. This is a victim that's being victimized for absolutely no reason during what I would imagine is the toughest mm-hmm. time in her life. Mm-hmm. I don't know her life, but I would imagine this is the toughest time of her life. All right, Rachel. That might be enough podcast. Yeah. How you feel? Are you okay? By the way, the last story triggered at all? Um, no, I, I just, it, it, no, it's so upsetting. Yeah. No, it's, it's, I just, it's just the message that it's sending out, like that it's sending out. You know what I mean? You go through a traumatizing experience or the traumatizing experience of having a miscarriage and you don't properly, properly dispose of the remains or whatever, whatever it is, depending on where you are mm-hmm. um, in your pregnancy comes out of you. You don't properly dispose of that. Guess what? You go to jail Yeah. for six months to a year. Yeah. Like, what are we doing? Like, what time... I don't know. Okay, so let's stay here for one second. One second. 
I am going to take responsibility for something. Before we leave here. I'm not a political shield. I'm not. It's very important for me not to be in the bag for anyone. Because I don't think that the bag is a very comfortable place to be. It's crinkly, it's loud. I don't like it. Whatever bag you're talking about, be it a plastic bag, a fucking paper bag, it's crinkly, it's loud, you're hitting in there. Suffocating. Okay. Um, I watched the debate between Gavin Newsom. Oh, you do? Yeah. And Ron DeSantis. Look, guys, Gavin Newsom is not Jesus. Ron DeSantis is not the devil, although I bet he wishes that he was. The choices that we have in this country in terms of leadership are not good choices. They're not. But they are easy. It's not good choices, but they're easy choices. Unfortunately, we have a situation to where the Republicans are bad cooks and the Democrats are bad waiters. The Republicans, as far as what they make, the food that they make as, as, as legislators, the policy that they make, it's spoiled. It's rotten. Tastes like shit. It's bad for you. It's not nutritious. And they're not going to stop feeding it to you. They never will because it's the only thing that they know how to cook. They would rather, to belabor this analogy, keep you sick but keep you controlled uh, and keep you sick and keep you angry rather than gives you something that nourishes you and makes you strong enough to start your own restaurant. And politicians are like that in general, but the Republicans at this point are off the reservation. I say the Democrats are bad waiters because a waiter, it's a waiter's job to come out and you know, tell you what's good, tell you what they can give you, and then go back there and give it to you. If I go to a restaurant and I don't know what's in the restaurant, I go, hey, what's good here? They go, oh, I like this, I like that, I like this, I like that. Get you educated, message you about what's good there, about what happens. You know what I mean? And the Democrats just haven't been a good, good at that. They've been good at promising you that there's food in the back that's not there or saying that they're going to bring you something and then telling you that the kitchen couldn't make it. I get it. I get all of that. And I have to be honest about the way I feel about the party that I caucus with. Caucus with. But I will say this, that rather it be what's happening right now in Gaza or different types of fiscal uh, or social policies that exist here in America, I see a lot of people that are volleyballing around the political future of the country, both on a state, local, and federal level. I'm telling you right now, the right has disqualified themselves from leadership. The Democrats are bad leaders. I'm not saying that they're not. I don't believe them to be good leaders. The right and how they've allowed their party to be captured, they've disqualified themselves from American leadership. 
from state leadership, from local leadership. They're disqualified to me. They're disqualified in terms of how they view uh, women's autonomy, on how they view education, on how they view talking about the history of this country, the rights of LGBTQ plus people, of how they view America's place in the world, fiscally, the way they look at things, voting rights, democracy, all of these things that are layups, fundamental tenets in American life for any free society. They've disqualified themselves on these issues and they don't give a fuck that you know that they have. They do not care. They don't care that you know that if need be, if, if, the, if the need arises, we'll take the country by force. They don't care if you know that you don't have control of your body. They don't care if you know that they will force you to carry your rapist's baby to term. They're not even hiding it anymore. Leonard Leo and the Federalist Society and all these different people, they've won their battles. They're out in the open. It's open. You can't vote for them. You can't vote for them. Doesn't matter if you actually have the Crypt Keeper running on the other side. Doesn't matter if you actually have, you can't vote for them. I don't want people to confuse my criticism of the Democratic Party, of which I am not a member, my criticism of that party with any idea that there's a viable option on the other side. I don't want anyone to confuse that because the story that we're looking at right now is the America that we're in, not the one that we're trying to avoid. It's the America we're in. Mm-hmm. So it's very important for me I see a lot of my people out there that are saying that they'll never vote for Joe Biden. I'm not going to try to convince you to vote for Joe Biden. I'm not going to try to convince you to, uh, to vote for any candidate. But I'll just ask you a question. If Donald Trump were the president right now, which one of the issues that you have disqualified President Biden on would be going better for you? Mm-hmm. Think about how things would be going right now in the Middle East if Trump were president. Yeah, I know. Think about how so many of these things would be going if Trump were president. And then ask yourself if that's what you want. If you want to set fire by spite. And I don't know who's going to be. I'm not a huge fan of running it back with the president. You know, Gavin Newsom is a, is a younger version of Joe Biden. and He's got some problems. I would, I'd give it a spin. Gretchen Whitmer, I'd give it a spin. Kamala, I'd give it a spin. I'd literally cut off the top, ha- the top portion of my pinky finger to give Michelle to run. And she's a corporate Democrat, just like the rest of them. They're all corporate centrist Democrats. You're not going to get anybody else in that federal office that's going to be a corp- anything more than a corporate centrist Democrat. But ask yourself if you rather a corpus, corporate centrist Democrat or a fucking fascist. Mm-hmm. And then sit with that. All right. Um, I'm sorry I had to go off of that, but that, you know, the story was complicated. All right, uh, take the caps off, but do not stop learning. I am Van Lathan Jr. I'm Rachel Lynn Lindsay. Bye, guys. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. 
Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client.